Welcome to the Spirituality of Strength Training with your host, Anna Willard. This podcast is dedicated to bring you knowledge, wisdom, inspiration, and guidance to wherever you may be on your health journey. For those who are new to me, I am a kettlebell strength coach, a movement nerd ninja, and an empowerment coach on a mission to bring you hope through our health. The root word of health comes from wholeness. The root word of wholeness comes from holy. Despite our differences with religion and spiritual beliefs, we are all human beings with a body that is designed to reflect this holiness through our health. It wasn't until my seventh year as a health profession where I went into a deep awakening of understanding what does it mean to train my spirit and to heal my spirit through the physical. You'll hear a little bit more about my story from other health professionals, from strength coaches, psychiatrists, spiritual gurus and leaders, to other people who talk about the importance of our health as a community body and the health of our planet as well. This podcast is to allow us to step into our whole health, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you for being here. If you love what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe. If you want more inspiration and quotes from these podcasts, I encourage you to follow me on Instagram at Anna underscore Willard underscore. I encourage you to do a little bit of a movement, either yoga flow, go for a walk, sit in nature as you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Spirituality of Strength Training. Today we have Dr. Morgan. Morgan is a chiropractor, a high-performance coach, and a spiritual guru. there's something else that you incorporate with your um, services. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably. So I'm also a shamanic practitioner. Yes, that's it. Can you explain that? Because that's still new to me. And I know probably a lot of our listeners are not familiar with that. So let's just dive in right with that first. Awesome. Right into the deep end. So Yeah. <laughs> we'll do a deep dive today. Let's do it. So shamanic practitioner is the one that a lot of times people haven't heard of. And it's really, you know, shamanism was that form of spirituality and healing that happened all over the world. Every culture, you know, had its version of it. Um, pretty much every tribe had its member that was doing that work. And what I love about that work is that is that it works and it's worked for tens of thousands of years. And it's, it's that way to really dive in and go, where's that connection between the body and the soul and, you know, the mental emotional aspects and what's playing in. So sometimes, you know, the healing for that, maybe it's an herb or maybe it was, you know, eating different or moving different, but maybe it was, you know, a place of soul loss or it was a place where something had changed and they really knew how to take care of that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how did, what does that look like within, do you incorporate that with your practice as a chiropractor or is that completely separate? How does that, how do you bring that into service for others? 
I'd say that it's blended into all of my life in general at this point. Okay. And the way that okay. it shows up, I, I really love, you know, an easy way to explain kind of some of the crossover. And some people might define this more as energy work, but I think there's a great crossover here and it helps, you know, kind of bridge that conversation. Uh, we've all experienced heartache, right? We've yeah. all been through that. You can't make it, you know, very far in this lifetime without experiencing that. And when our heart closes down and when we experience that, there's nothing that a, you know, a Gray's Anatomy book or a medical doctor could point at and say, oh, it's this nerve and it's facilitated by this you know, response. It's something outside of that. And so we look at heart chakras and we go, oh, yeah, we've all experienced that. And mm -hmm. so you know, sometimes when I'm looking at somebody chiropractically, their thoracic spine or their mid-back might be tight. And that might be a real physiological thing where we need to do a chiropractic adjustment. It might be a stretching thing. It may also just be heartache. It might be a broken heart and they're needing some other tools to deal with that. Yeah. And so I've really tried to have my practice both with myself and with others be really holistic in that, you know, if all I have in my tool bag is a hammer, every single thing I see is a nail. And what I love is how many tools can I have in my tool bag to help with people and how many tools outside of my own practice can I be aware of? Because sometimes people come in and I'm like, yeah, you know, this other healing modality be really amazing for you. I don't practice mm -hmm. it, but here's your referral. So I try to, I try to really do what's best for each individual person, whether it's, you know, through me, my practices, my healing work or somebody else. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Now I have a lot of friends who are chiropractors who had like a big injury or kind of life um, event that made them want to go into this type of practice. And I'm curious if you had something like that, that made you want to go into chiropractor, or if it's something that you've always been aware of your body and you just wanted to be in the health field. Can you tell me how you were led to become a chiropractor? Yeah, I do love hearing other people's stories as well, because there usually is one. I was in eighth grade football player. I'm on the front row, you know, the front line for a uh, kickoff return. And they kicked an onside kick. So I went down and I grabbed it. And, you know, all these guys came and hit me on top of my head. And the thing was, I finished the game. Everything was fine. But, you know, I grew up in Wyoming and every bus trip for football was about a 100 mile bus trip minimum. And so 100 mile okay. drive home. And by the time I get home, I can't turn my neck at all. Oh, no. And so the next morning I wake up and my mom takes me down to see the chiropractor that my mom and dad saw. I get adjusted and a few minutes later, I'm back in school and everything's just fine. So that was my initial incident and chiropractic really got me through, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, the rest of my middle school, high school, and then I played rugby in college and it got me through oh, cool. all of that. And finally, I'm like, oh, wow, I really love this. and I'm getting tremendous results. What would it look like to, you know, to be doing this as well? So that was my, awesome. my beginning. You remind me a lot of my friend, Paul Hodgson, who I grew up with. We had some, a very similar story, but it was um, in high school where he got injured okay. um, that um, he went and saw a chiropractor and he practices down in Carlsbad, California. Um, so um, yeah, the, your stories and um, your personalities are very parallel to each other. Um, so it's just fascinating the similarities with that. Very cool. Yeah. Now with um, your practice, what kind of led you to more on the spiritual side of things? Did you go into chiropractic school knowing that you wanted to bring this 
um, aspect into your own personal practice or was there another event within your life that kind of opened up that aspect? Yeah, it was, it was really one doorway at a time for me. If they'd been all at once, it would have been too much. So (laughs) I was, I was initially a mechanical engineer. So when I went to chiropractic school, I was like, where's the research and why does this work? And I was like, so left brain trying to figure everything out. And Mm -hmm. a few years into practice, (laughs) this is funny. I, so, you know, I got out of a four-year relationship and I, you know, I lost my house, lost my dog, you know, wrecked my truck. And I thought that, you know, it was kind of at the end of my initial loan money for my first business. And I was afraid I was going to lose my business as well. So with all those things happening, it really, you know, truly sounded like a bad country song. Right. Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> like you have like all the marks. And it's almost mark. hard not to say it with the slang, like lost my dog, lost my house, yeah. <laughs> lost my girl. Right. And, and that's when, you know, intuition started for me. That's when synchronicity started for me. That's when I started hearing these words I had never heard of before. And, and that's also when some different things started coming into my healing practice where I started being aware of things and doing things differently than I had ever done them before. So that was kind of my breakthrough. And that was probably in, not probably, that was in 2005. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. A few years ago. Yeah. So how long have you, um, first off, cause you practice in Fremont in Washington or Seattle, Washington, and how long have you had your own clinic? And then how long have you been incorporating more of the spiritual components to it as well? Yeah. So I had a clinic in Colorado for four years that was very chiropractic meets physical therapy based. Okay. And then my clinic up here, I've had for gosh, almost seven full years at this point. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. And kind of the interim between Colorado and Seattle is where a lot of these things integrated into my life more fully. Okay. And so um, I've brought them into my practice here. And that being said, I really, I meet people where they're at. You know, some people Mm -hmm. need research. Some people need emotion. Some people Mm -hmm. need to know that what they're doing is going to help them play with their grandkids for the next couple decades. Like I really meet people where they're at. And then you know, based on that heart chakra piece, I think it's really easy to open up this other conversation mm-hmm. or I'll bring in say neuro-linguistic programming. We know that let's say for chronic low back pain of the top 10 predictors for chronic low back pain, only three of them are physical. Mm-hmm. So if we're not addressing the mental right. emotional aspect, if we're not yes. addressing the unconscious mind, we're missing right. so much of that healing, uh, so many of the healing tools that we have. So I meet people where they're at, and then, yeah, I introduce things in a way that uh, I think will resonate with them and really empower them ultimately. Yeah, I know um, there's a couple of things I want to, I'm just writing some things down because with what you just said, I want to go in a couple different ways. But first, I know the time that I have been able to come see you, um, there's been times where you've worked on my body. There's been times where we literally just sat and talked um, and let me cry some of the things I needed to just literally shed and giving that space to voice the pain that I've been through. And um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this, but I know you gave me a poem on forgiveness and I know you do have it memorized. So I'm wondering if you can um, state it for us. Yes. So, and it's interesting. As soon as somebody asks, you're like, I don't even remember my own name. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
But no, this, and this was a, a really powerful piece of homework that was given to me. And, uh-huh. um, and I describe it really as a nice piece of sandpaper. I think we're this piece of artwork that we're, we're always trying to work on. So, you know, how right. can we keep having the right grit sandpaper to keep developing us? So, so or just that, that polish almost to keep us that able to shine. Yeah. And every once in a while you turn the artwork over and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't sanded it, this side at all. Yeah. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's address that. So I think the Buddhist forgiveness prayer is what I'll be sharing. I think it works really well. And it's, mm-hmm. if I have harmed anyone in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly through my own confusions, I ask forgiveness. So that's, that's outward. The second piece is if anyone has harmed me in any way, either knowingly or unknowingly, through their own confusions, I forgive them. Mm-hmm. If there's any situation that I'm not yet ready to forgive, I forgive myself for that. For all the ways I harm myself, negate, doubt, belittle myself, judge or be unkind to myself through my own confusions, I forgive myself. Oh, that's, awesome. That is it. And I, there's, I know. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, um, I, th- I think there's so, I've listened to a couple other podcasts on um, forgiveness and the aspects of, and the importance of forgiveness. And for me, it's that aspect of letting go and physically, what does that mean to let go and not hold on to some of those and like those grudges and everything that may cause from um, us not forgiving. So I just so appreciate that and how important that helped me. So for those who are listening and Forgiveness may be something that is something that may, you may struggle to practice. Um, this is a really easy prayer to say. Um, so I'll make sure it's in the show notes for you guys as well. Now, you mentioned a couple of times your heart chakra. And um, can you just explain to the listeners, because some, some people may not be familiar with chakras at all. So yeah. can you just go over some of the really base, like the basics of each one and what they stand for and where they live within the body? Interesting. Yeah. So we'll go kind of big picture. I know there's other people who have done a lot more work in this area, but the chakras anytime, I'll just say in the easy place to, to notice it, like if you go by a yoga studio and there's a picture of somebody right. seated like this and they've got the colored, you know, shapes moving up through the, the body. Yep, so, the circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the circles and different pointed flowers. And and so that would be the chakras. That'd be the visual that a lot of people that if they're not familiar with chakras, that's what they've probably seen out in the world that uh, represents them. And each one of them are energy centers. And, and what I love about shamanism as well, and with energy work and with a lot of these pieces is cross-culturally, different continents all over the world came to these same conclusions. And I really just... I love the fact that that wasn't by accident. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the chakras, it's, it's different levels and different types of energy. And so, you know, foundationally at the bottom, it's about, you know, are we safe? Are we held? You know, sometimes financial abundance will show up there. Sometimes, you know, just that ability for us to be having our base needs met. Mm-hmm. And then as we move up through the chakras, they kind of evolve up. And a lot of times, you know, like the first, second, and third chakras. So the first would be at the, the core of, you know, the pelvis. The second mm-hmm. is yep. like right below the belly button. Third is getting up into the solar plexus. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to my clients and my patients about these being more of those like power of those baseline, you know, fundamental chakras. 
Right. And I feel mm -hmm. like, especially in the United States, there's this divider that happens between the third chakra and the fourth chakra, which is our heart chakra. And fourth oh, and interesting. above okay. is like heart, it's voice, it's third eye. So it's clarity, it's intuition, it's seeing, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then it goes up from there into the higher realms. And so, or the connection, at least to the higher realms. Right. And so I think a lot of problems that I'll see with people is we believe in the U.S. that we can either be powerful or loving. And a lot of times people that are incredibly loving give up a lot of their power. People mm. that are really powerful don't bring love into the equation. And so oh, interesting. You know, a lot of times I'll see kind of almost like an energetic divider between those areas. And so how can yeah. we be both at the same time? And, you know, somebody like an like an Oprah or, a, you know, a Buddha or a Gandhi or, a, you know, these uh -huh. people that we really know that are incredibly powerful and are also very, very kind. That's that sweet spot. So again, just a, a little bit more of the overlay. So first three chakras more about power, safety, you know, shame, and some of these negative aspects will show up down there as well as the shadow side. But then we've got heart chakra, we've got throat chakra, we've got, you know, the, the third eye chakra. And so we have sayings around these, you know, like, oh my yeah. gosh, like, you know, cat's got my tongue or frog stuck in my right, throat yeah. or, uh -huh. you know, even looking at posturing, somebody that's wide open will tend to have good posture. Somebody that's hiding their heart and doesn't want to speak may look a little more guarded. So yeah, the physical yeah. and the energetic really start informing each other. And sometimes, you know, the homework for posture is actually just getting back in touch with the heart, having it, mm -hmm. having them feel safe to be open with that in the world. Yeah. So I'm curious, cause you mentioned about your heart chakra and how you had like a broken heart referring to kind of like that country song uh -huh. aspect um, during that time in your life. How did you know that your heart chakra was not in tuned? Yeah. To be honest, I, uh, I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, okay. we, yeah. we all have at the time. Yeah. At the time. And we all, we all know when our hearts hurting, we all know when right. we're not feeling good. Uh, and how it ended up showing up for me was I had started doing yoga and I'd been doing mm -hmm. yoga for, for a, a little bit of time. And I was always really good in class. I always did the exact same kind of yoga class was always the same. And at a certain point after this broken heart, there was this one pose every single class where I would almost pass out. Okay. And in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, it's interesting that I'm running out of energy Oh, fascinating. At this exact same point in class every yeah. day. And uh -huh. what I realized later was it was a, a pose. It was camel pose where you lean back and you really open up your chest and you're just leaning everything open. And it just, it was too much for me. And as my yoga practice developed, I think this is some of the risk of, you know, as we're now starting to talk about like physical, emotional, energetic overlap, the risk right. for me, I'll just speak for me, the risk for me in yoga was I knew how to essentially check out of my body and mm -hmm. look like I was doing awesome yoga, but I was missing the actual core of the practice. And so for me, I had a tremendous breakthrough when I started staying really present with what I was feeling. And when I could stay in my body and stay present in my body and feel my body in those poses, it happened in one class. I can still, I can still picture it and remember it where a shift happened and it was, it was like that broken heart was mended in that moment. 
And so oh, I, I think I could have gone years and decades with yeah. doing that pose and looking pretty, but not getting it right. versus right. doing the practice as it was more intended and, and receiving the healing that it was helping to facilitate. So I'm curious, cause you have an athletic background and you mentioned how like you're able to like, kind of like mentally check out of your body with yoga practice and still do the pose, but there wasn't like that mind body connection yet for you. Do you think that was more because of your athletic background? You knew how to kind of like, I know it from my own personal experience with like exercise and being a trainer, there's been times in my life where at the beginning, like I used exercise to almost numb my body and kind of like be a way for me to not mentally you or hold that capacity of what my body was feeling. And so I'm curious if you, that's, if you kind of use that athletic background to be able to kind of check out, or do you think it's just one of our human natures that we all are immune to what our body's trying to tell our mind? Yeah. We're a pain adverse society. We're a, we're a pain adverse species, right? Like we Uh do things to avoid pain and in the places that we can hold pain is where I think evolution also happens. And so if you think about, um, you know, especially in the U S we're not taught meditation. We're not, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're basically taught, uh, immediate gratification and we're taught just be the Nike, just do it society. Right. Right. And so, oh my gosh, you need to take all this medication to be able to, to run, to do this, to ignore your body. Yeah. You should do that. Or, Uh you know, Oh, if you put earbuds in, you can run an extra 20 miles because you're so busy listening to somebody else other than the internal thoughts. And so Uh um, for me, it showed up in a number of different ways in my life. There were times where I realized I had music or TV on every single second of the day because I didn't want to hear what was going on in here. And then I would cut that out and then it would show up somewhere else. And so, you know, for me, that physical body piece, I think it's Uh really what what we've been taught as a society. And so, you know, bringing a little bit of mindfulness into it um, can just be a really wonderful thing. And, and, you know, especially in that idea of how we do anything is how we do everything, you know, where are you, where do you leave your body and, you know, physical practice, where do Mm -hmm. you, you know, turn on the radio and leave your body throughout the day? Where do you check out when you're with your spouse? Where do you, you know, I, I think there's so many places and times we leave our body. Um, yeah. It's, and physical practice is just one of the most strenuous things we do. So it's a really easy litmus test to go, oh, wow, I, I'm not present during this. Yeah. 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 So you talked about, um, thank you for sharing that. You talked about how yoga helped you kind of bring that mind body connection. Has there any, has there been any other type of training within your physical health history that helps you kind of really tune into your body and work through some emotional stuff? Yeah. You know, I think I'm always looking for that, you know, that dichotomy. I, I, right. I do believe that, you know, if you're horrible at math and really great at, you know, uh, graphic design, I don't think right. you should spend a decade on math problems. I think you should right. do graphic design because that's your blessing. Uh-huh. Now, right. from the personal growth aspect, I think sometimes we need to delve into where we struggle. And so, right. you know, for me, one of the one of the bigger struggles has been around just meditation. Oh, okay. I always loved being active. I was always very right. hard on my body, whether mm-hmm. it was, you mm-hmm. know, 
dirt bikes or rugby or football or I just I was always great in motion and right. in this you know this this other part of my life trying to learn stillness you know mm -hmm. no motion quieting my mind um you know that's been an area of work for me um mm -hmm. yeah and so just trying to find those areas and then and at one point I had done a lot of spiritual growth work you know and the way that I the way that I took that work in and internalized it was, oh, it's not good to be mad or angry. Uh, and I need yeah. to learn to be the Buddha and just go sit under a tree for a decade. <laughs> right. So I started yeah. attempting that in my, right. my goofy, however I was doing it. And one day I'm driving by this park and I saw these uh, three guys doing martial arts. And I'm like, my internal warrior, I've let him die. Like I, yeah. I lot a lot of my, uh, my strong masculine energy go away. I lost my warrior and I had lost my passion. I wasn't mm -hmm. fighting for myself. I wasn't getting amped up and oh, doing what vibed yeah. me. So I was like, oh, I need to find a way to be a warrior and reignite this. And so I started doing boxing and I had never, oh, okay, cool. I had never done any boxing before. And this is coming back to your point of, you know, areas yeah. of, of work. So I'm boxing and I'm loving the physicality of it. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I've been hitting the head enough. We know re research-wise what that does. I don't need any more head right. trauma, right? Right. But I'm, yeah. I'm doing the workouts and I'm, I'm getting into that, that warrior energy. And uh -huh. I love the heavy bag and I was doing all this work. And then there was one day where my, my boxing coach had me do some shadow boxing in front of a mirror. And I'm doing that work and the amount of, I mean, you, it's really difficult to like look yourself in, in the eyes, in the mirror and have that level of honesty come through. And then I was doing this really difficult workout and it was that perfect combination where a lot of shame bubbled up. And I, I probably did some of my deepest work around shame in that moment in front of that mirror. And so it was, you know, it's, it's not what you would expect like a spiritual guru or your counselor to tell you to do. Yeah, yeah. And it was a it was that perfect that perfect place. So I think yeah. there's so many ways to find it and a lot of times it's where we don't want to go. Anytime I have a patient or a client that says, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to do that." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's perfect. That's exactly what you need." <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's um it's interesting that you share that story about boxing in the mirror because I've always been like anti-mirror with workouts and everything. And I'm curious, even just for myself, I'm like, what would it look like if I just did all my workouts in front of a mirror? Like, cause with training with kettlebells and you've had a little taste of this, it's much more, it's very similar to like martial arts, um, approach of like the breathing and the fast and loose. Um, and so it is a lot of that warrior fight aspect. Um, but I would be curious of what it would bring up for me if I did most of my workouts in front of a mirror. And even my coach, she's like, you need to do you need to start swinging in front of the mirror and watching your form. I'm like, I can feel my body though. Like I'm really in tuned with my body. I know what my body's telling me, but it's interesting how it brought up a lot of shame for you. And I know that's something for me that I've been working through and I didn't even realize how much shame I have carried throughout my body and the story with my physicality and everything. So thank you for sharing that because that's going to help me and probably help some of my clients too. Cause now I'll start incorporating a little more work, mirror work. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I love it. There's, I, I really thrive on personal growth and yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it's fun. I'll be interested to, yeah. to hear how that goes for you. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Can you hear that bubble noise? I, no, I can't. 
Is oh, it gone? Okay, great. No, well, I don't know if it, hopefully it didn't record, but um, <laughs> my computer, I thought I turned it off, but it goes off every 30 minutes. So if I'm working on the computer for long hours, I have an alarm that says whatever time it is for me to get up and move. And so That's I thought perfect. I turned it off. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So, but it, it still keeps going off and I thought I changed it. So it wouldn't. <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, I hope it's not going off for this. So, this, is anyway. the, this is the point in our uh, conversation where we get up and have to do five minutes right. of moving. Yeah, yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. Very healthy, well-balanced podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's too good. Now, real quick, because um, we've talked a little bit about this throughout our conversations together, just as health professionals and um, kind of like the spiritual aspect of things. And I was in school for psychology and kind of put pause for that. But I know we talked during that time of just like how the unconscious mind li- lives within the body. And you kind of basically shared that with the story of your boxing and being in front of the mirror in that aspect. Do you have anything else to touch on that with? how our unconscious mind lives in the body? Part of what I feel my job is as a chiropractor, a lot of times is rewriting somebody's diagnosis. Mm, So when we look at the unconscious mind, what it believes about us, we essentially are doing everything we can to live into that. Uh And so, you know, at, at a certain point I'm growing up, And I'm about 10 years old and I have uh, twin cousins that are about the same age. And my mom tells them that they've been diagnosed with Osgood-Schlatter's disease. And I just remember this like, oh my gosh, like my heart sank. I'm like, how long are they going to live? You know, am I going to get to see them again? And progress, you know, a couple decades, I realize, you know, I find out that Osgood-Schlatter's disease is basically tennis elbow of the knee. Lots right, of kids that get right. soc- that play soccer right. get it, but there's this real heaviness to a diagnosis. And a lot of times people come in and are like, oh, I was diagnosed with this thing. And I'm like, that's an inflammatory state that'll, that'll go away and you'll lose that diagnosis if you start right. eating differently and moving differently. So, you know, I think it's really important for people to understand that a lot of what may have happened to them was a snapshot in time. And, and especially with up what's up right now with uh, looking at power differentials between men and women, power differentials mm-hmm. between you know the 1% and everybody else, beliefs about what's happened to us in the past and how it affects our future. I think it's incredibly important to acknowledge what's true, what's been true in our lives. We've all had trauma. We've all had these things happen. We've all had these experiences, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic, we've experienced it. So really getting honest about that with ourselves and then realizing that there's a new future that's possible for us. We know that our bodies are constantly remaking themselves. Yeah. You know, we know, you know, even in my, the workouts and a lot of the things I'm doing right now, we know neuroplasticity is a thing. And mm-hmm. it used to be, you know, oh, well, nerves don't regenerate themselves or if they do, it's very, very slowly. What we have is set you know, it's really set. And now we know that things like intermittent fasting and any workouts, especially the workouts you do where you're crossing center line with your appendages, Uh like how can we be neuroplastic? How can we continue to be a better, you know, the 2.000 version of ourselves tomorrow more so than we were yesterday. And so, you know, uh, at one point my mom was in an auto accident a couple years ago. 
and she's still in Wyoming and, and to be a healer who, you know, really cares so deeply about, you know, everyone and especially my mom. Right. Right. Of course. And I'm only getting to see her every few months and she's getting care from all these other healers, but her progress is slow. And then I would see her and for a week I would, you know, I'd be doing everything I could to help her, you know, for Uh that whole time I would see her, she'd get better. And then I would go away and she would regress again. And one of the, one of the last times I saw her for that specific situation, somebody had asked her how she was doing and she's like, Oh, I'm still injured and we'll see what happens. And I was like, mom, I'm like, what are you telling your body? I'm like, you're telling your body you're still injured. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. what we did was we did two things. We did a neurolinguistic programming session where essentially she was able to let go of a truth about being injured and really implant a truth around being whole, healthy, and healing. And we can't lie to ourselves. Like if you're in a wheelchair, you can't lie and be like, I'm running a 5K today and it's awesome. Right. But right. what we there's a balance of realistic. Yeah. Cause if, if your conscious yeah. mind doesn't believe it, you can lie to yourself all day. But what's right. that approximation of what can be true that moves you in the right direction? And so I said, Mom, how would it feel to say, My body's still healing? I'm getting better every day. Right. Yeah. You know, is that true? It's not true every day, but a lot of days mm-hmm. my mom was healing and she was feeling better. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting. This part egoically speaking, this part's a little bit wounding to my, my internal chiropractor. Like Mm. my mom now credits most of her healing to neuro-linguistic programming. And in her shifting, what she was telling people over all the physical care, all the wonderful healers that she saw her changes in diet. Like she was really good about everything she was doing. And she attributes Mm -hmm. her getting past that auto accident based on a shift in her unconscious mind and how she was saying things. So that's my, if I was to leave, you know, listeners or any of my patients or clients with any takeaway, it's that how are you allowing your unconscious mind to move you in a place of, of wholeness and healing and health? Yeah. You know, and how, what, what's necessary to let go of, you know, any belief you might have about your physical state, your mental state, your emotional state, your energetic state. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's great. I love that. I know um, for myself, I've been injured quite a bit, and it sounds like you have had some histories with injuries too. And I, I think um, I've always have been so driven by sports and wanting to get back out onto the sports of like I am going to heal. I'm going to get back onto that playing field, and like I'm going to get back at it, and I'm going to have this like amazing story of a comeback story. And I think um, I don't know if that's just the athlete inside of me, but that's my goal. And it sounds like your goal too, is to get people to have that type of mindset of like, our body naturally wants to heal. It naturally is changing into a holier, healthier self, um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, if we allow it to. And so I think it's really important what you touched on of just like what we say, someone has told me like what we say and what we speak from our mouth really comes from the heart, no matter what it is. And paying attention to what we're saying to other people is really what our heart is saying to our body too. And so what I'm just paying attention to the words and that vibration of them and how it has that effect even physically on our body and the aspect of what it has on other people too. So I love that story of your mom and how that changed her approach to healing. Now I have two questions. They're kind of off not off topic. One is just um, 
correct me on a fact. Is it seven years that we have completely like a completely new different body where like all our cells have regenerated? Is it seven years or is it five years? You know what? I, um, usually if I'm going to say it's a fact, I'm like really tuned into it. I always hold seven years into my mind and I know different organs and different systems regenerate faster and more often. But yeah, I've Mm -hmm. I've always kind of heard and understood seven years from now, you'll literally on a cellular level be completely different than you were today. Yeah. Yeah. Which is refreshing. It is refreshing. It's really refreshing. And then um, the other question is we met about a year and a half ago at a networking event called Chick Chat that was, that's specifically just for women. So I was like, who's this dude at an all women's networking event? So can you tell me a little bit more? Cause you, as a male, you're very in tune with your feminine energy, um, as well as your masculine energy. So can you tell me a little bit more what that looks like being a health profession and the feminist or feminist movement going forward as a spiritual healer? And what does that look like for you as a man? Um, cause I think it's really important that both genders are involved with this type of spiritual healing movement that is coming into our nation. Well, yeah, we did meet at that event and, and right. it's, it was, it was interesting. So when I started uh, kind of having my spiritual awakening that I shared uh-huh. with you, what I found was it was me as like a 32 year old guy and a bunch of like women in their mid fifties going through divorce. Like, uh, okay. We're yeah. reading the same books. We're learning about the same <laughs> spiritual practices. And I just was like, oh, they're at, we're doing the same thing. And so, right. you know, and I, and I think, you know, if I'm being, yeah, if I'm, if I'm taking a look back at it, I think we receive what we need. And I had a lot of really unhealthy masculine traits, you know, when it came probably to, to dating, to interacting with women, Um, you know, I was, I was really good at being a rugby player and I was really good at being honestly kind of wild and and having these other pieces. And so it, it was a good piece of sandpaper. Like it brought me in to really hone and develop myself in a different way. Another way I would approach that is let's say shamanism. Let's say that piece about being intuitive and, and really looking at masculine and feminine. Um, energetically, mm-hmm. the way those would be scri- described, the feminine is that intuitive magnetic, so that drawing in, and then right. the masculine is that going outward. It's that dynamic. Okay. It's taking action. You know. Mm-hmm. So, for me to be doing a lot of the work that I'm doing now, I needed to to stop being so dynamic, and I needed to start being more intuitive and more magnetic. So I was needing mm-hmm. to balance that out. It just kind of worked out and happened that way. And then yeah. when I moved to Seattle, I got invited to a, a networking group, uh, E-Women. Again, it's oh, okay. all yeah. women. All yeah. women. I mean, in a room yeah. of 100 women, there might be you know two or three guys. And what I liked about that networking group was there was some deep heart and meaning there. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, hey, come buy my stuff. And you know, I'd go to these networking <laughs> events where people right. literally were like chomping at the bit for you to shut up about what you were doing so they could tell you. Like it was so self-centered. Mm-hmm. It was so, it just felt icky, right? And mm-hmm. when I went to E-Women, it was like, yeah, I'm going to share with you what I do. 
if I could be of service, let me know. If I can't, awesome. What can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? And so I started networking with in this primarily women-based group. And that translated to, honestly, I I guess a bunch of people here locally um, having positive feedback about how I show up on a personal level, on a business level. That's how I got invited to Chick Chat as the only guy there for my coaching work. And, you know, I do think it's important that both men and women play a part in this. I think there's four different aspects of play. And there's healthy masculine, there's healthy feminine. Mm-hmm. There's also unhealthy masculine and unhealthy feminine. And you don't have to point fingers or do anything. Like we're right. evidently exactly where we are in this time is exactly where we are. So, you know, how do we let go of the unhealthy masculine? How do we let go of the unhealthy feminine? And how do we realize that ultimately we need to be lifting up men? We need to be lifting right. up women. We need to be mm-hmm. lifting up anybody that labels themselves differently than that as well. Right. And mm-hmm. within each and every one of us, there's a masculine and feminine energy that drives us. And so, right. you know, on that level of wholeness, how do we, yeah, how do we just keep healing? And, and I think mm-hmm. the wonderful thing with everything that's happening in our culture right now, yeah, a lot of it's super uncomfortable. A lot of it's like, uh, you know, it's like thinking we were healthy for a long time and then having an abscess show up on our arm. Like we're not happy about that, but it is a good thing that it's come to the surface so it can heal. And I think that's right. what's happening. And so all these conversations, all the the work that's happening, all the healing that's happening is uh, is beautiful. We're ready for it. We're we're yeah. overdue for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could. Uh, there's still like multiple questions rolling through my head, so I'll have to have you back on the show. And I don't want to go over time and everything, but I want to ask the last question is how can people work with you? Yeah. Uh, people tend to meet me where they need to. I recently worked with somebody that found out about me six years ago. Oh my goodness. And finally it was perfect time for her to come in right. and, and the work yeah. just really was what it needed to be. So, uh, the best way would be me leading with service. So I love empowering Mm -hmm. people. If people would love Mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more and get empowered, if you go to drmorganoaks.com, I've got just a a free offer there, which is the six keys to living your top life. Uh, I think it's really empowering. I think it gives a framework to start making sure you're living your top life at this moment. Um, And then outside of that, I do transformational speaking, you know, for different businesses and organizations. Uh, I have a chiropractic office here in downtown Seattle, and I also do energy work, shamanic work, high performance coaching. Uh, A lot of times people reach out to me and they'll say, I don't know what I need, but here's where my pain is, or here's where my aspiration is. And sometimes I'm like, oh, awesome. Here's how we can do that. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, here's the Buddhist forgiveness prayer. Go read that in the shower for the next decade and see how you're doing. (laughs) Or maybe it's, hey, here's a really good book video, TED talk resource for you. So mm-hmm. yeah, if people have questions, they can reach out and I can let them know if, if I can be of service or if it's somebody else. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to add of how people can contact you or is that? Yeah, I think, I think way? the website's the best place. I'm okay, also great. on Instagram and, and, and Twitter and Facebook, but the website's all, all the are, good. 
Yeah. Yeah. All the, the good social media necessities right. at this point, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> or at least the ones I've, I've decided to, to put some time towards. Right. So yeah. Right. But, uh, yeah, in general, I'm just really grateful to be on your show today. I'm really grateful you're doing this work because spiritual people tend to ignore their bodies. I would say mm-hmm. if I was to make a vast over, you know, over classification of everyone and a lot of physical people tend to ignore the spiritual, mental, emotional, and so I love that you're doing this bridge work and uh, yeah, you. really grateful to be on your show. It's been amazing. Well, thank you so much. Well, I just want to um, honor you and thank you. I know I direct a lot of my clients who are out of the scope of my practice with um, training and you've helped them tremendously. I've seen the difference within the studio with training with them. So um, thank you for the work that you do. Um, I just get positive feedback when they come um, see me after they seen you. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for um, helping me and healing me in ways that you know um, you have. I honestly, the, the times I've seen you, I feel like you've been led by the spirit in a way that has guided and allowed me to heal my spirit. So I just uh, appreciate you being in tuned and your healing and everything else that you give to this world. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm really grateful to for for everything I've done that's overlapped in in your life yeah. and the world. And uh, yeah, yeah, keep doing this work, this good work. I think uh, this is a big part of the healing that's needed in our world right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, thank you for stepping yeah. up for that. Awesome. And those who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in. If you um, loved what we said through this, please subscribe, write us a review. And if this really resonated with you or you had one of those aha moments, share it with a friend. They may also have that same aha moment. And we are here just to be healthy and holy so we can all shine together. So share away. Other than that, um, we're going to be ending um, the next episode. I will be jumping on and sharing more of my story and how I developed this love for kettlebells and literally how the kettlebells discovered me. So stay tuned for that. And that, thank you, Dr. Morgan and peace and out.